Blessed be your holy name. Blessed be your holy name, Father. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Open Book this evening. Hallelujah. Welcome to the season of um, the conference, the Yahweh to Face conference, our annual conference that starts the year for us. Praise God. Hallelujah. And this season, this period, this um, conference season um, is a bit with a, a different kind of flavor. It's just going to be a praying conference. We're just praying for two weeks, praying and fasting for two weeks and trusting the Lord that in the course of the prayers, we will be able to bring out um, tangibly the theme of the conference. One second, let me mute this phone. We'll be able to um, tangibly bring out the theme of the conference. Hallelujah. Uh, can we just quickly remind everyone to join, join, join? There are very few of us here now. Please bring more people to join. We are live. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, everyone, for joining in. Namdi, Namdi, Nani, Namdi, I haven't seen you in months. How are you? Is everyone hearing me? Ah, okay, good. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Good to see you. <laughs> Good to see you. Hallelujah. Let's, let's pray, everyone. Father, we just thank you for this evening. We thank you for the gathering in of your people. We thank you for what you are doing in our lives, preparing us, raising us, building us up, fortifying us. Thank you, Father. We bless you, Lord. We glorify you in the name of Jesus. Father, I ask you to bless us this evening. I ask you to increase us this evening. I ask you to draw us nearer to yourself this evening, Father, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Cause us to hear clearly, Father. Cause us to hear clearly. Cause us to hear clearly, my Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. I just want us to pray in tongues a bit. Um, just open up our hearts, open up our spirit, man and release um, our language of the spirit over this meeting right now. Mosu kutana hashanda li baragabada. Eze katono kopoposika pari laka papasunta li kapasande. Eleke poso kutana basande reke posuyana babasa telebobosa. Eso patana gababashande li geborosonde li gebosonda la baba. Eleke poso kutana gababashi karadagabozota la baba. Eze gata kana gababa jandeli gebozonta liga baria zande. Ezo maze gada gababa jota kana gababa zota lagababa jota. Ezo brande kele gebobo jigari anagababa zonta lagababa jota lagababa zota. 
É só cotar na gababagi, garada gababazonta ali, gabazota lá babá. É jobazê, gababazuta na capaceia lá babachata. Father, I ask you for help. I ask you for help, Lord. We are vessels that have been built up, Lord. We are not perfect, oh God. But you found strength in yourself, Lord, to use imperfect vessels. Thank you, Lord. We are here, Lord. Our heart is open. Our hearts are open. Our ears are open. We want to do your will. We want to follow you. We want to be established in your will and in your counsel and in your purpose. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. There's this song that is bubbling in my spirit. I, I just want to sing it, even if it's one time. I'm not sure if you all know it. What a great story, a great story, man to leave this world and follow Christ, man to make a friend with the Lord Jesus. What a great story, great story. What a great story, a great story. Man to leave this world and follow Christ. Man to make a friend with the Lord Jesus. What a great story, great story. Great story indeed, hallelujah. That a man will become a friend of God. A man will become one with God, one spirit with the Lord, flesh of his flesh, bone of his bone, one spirit with the Lord. Bible says, he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit with the Lord. Praise God. Okay. Um, this evening, before we begin to go into the um, message of the season, I don't know if we'll be able to get there before the meeting is over. I just want to tidy up some things from some of the things that we were teaching last year. At the, the, the evening of Psalms, the day um, 31st of December, we prayed all day, praise God. And in the night when we gathered, we, we gathered for Psalms, okay? And in the course of my teaching, I'm not seeing Emanuela here. Emanuela asked a question. I wanted to start this year's series with asking that question when I was ministering. Is there anybody that can call Emanuela? Emanuela Olushegu? Uh, was either Emanuela Olushegu or Emanuela Musa? One of them asked that question. So, and I'm not seeing any of them here. So can someone, Sister Temitokba, you guys are in the same atmosphere, the same environment, so to speak. Can you reach her? I would have liked to start with that question. She wanted to know, I, I was talking about Ephesians chapter one. Let's go to Ephesians chapter one. Ephesians chapter one, I talked about um, from verse 17, that the God of our, of our Lord Jesus Christ, the father of glory may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. 
the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Praise God. And I laid particular emphasis on that day on that you may know what is the hope of his calling. And I did say that anyone that doesn't understand that verse should um, indicate. So, um, praise the Lord. I'm not seeing Emanuela here. All right, praise God. Let's, let's move on. Um, we missed that chance. She missed that chance. Um, so, is there anyone that has a question in anything at all? We touched on last year, um, the teachings on faith. Now, last month, last week, I asked questions. I asked us to share what we learned, you know, through the season. Tonight, I'm asking us to ask questions. Is there anyone with any question on some of the things we heard um, last year or we've heard in the past in this ministry and you need clarification? Can you ask the question? That's how I want us to start um, this season. Anyone with a question, you just um, give us a high five. Okay, Namdi, go ahead. Please unmute Namdi so she, he could ask his question. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening, everyone. Happy New Year. Okay, so I was, <clears throat> um, some days ago, I was going through one of the open book messages where um, Mama, yes, when we were teaching about um, how Jesus could not die when he was a man. And that the only reason why he died was because the sins of the world was, was placed upon him. That was why death could overcome him on the cross, you know, at that <laughs> point. So I was thinking further, how about men like Paul and the apostles when, you know, is it that they did not get to that point of perfection? Because I know that they, at some point in their work with God, they were not sinning or there was, um, sin was not found in them. Oh, I stand corrected. So, um, how come do you, said, you said something about Simeon? No, I said, I said, at the apostles, when they, yes, you said the reason why Jesus um, died, I heard that part. I the sin of the world. Yes. You said yes, I said, how come men like Paul and the apostles died? Is it because okay. sin was found in them? Like, how, how were they, how, why didn't they overcome death? So I was just thinking okay. for that. So I just want you to throw my light on that. All right. Okay. Um, very good. Um, death is or let me not say death is. Let me say there are two ways that men leave the earth. Men leave this body, literally. Okay? And the two ways that men leave this body is one is through death. Death as in the cessation of life in your body was caused by death, the being called death. You know that death is a being, right? It's an entity, right? Do you know that? You can just give me, yeah, let me see. Yes, good. So you know that death is an entity, 
right? He's a being, he's a spiritual personality. Okay, if you check why, um, if you check in the book of Revelations, you will see that the Bible says that the death is the last enemy that will be destroyed. And death, at the, at the last judgment, death will literally be picked up and thrown into the lake of fire. Death, hell, the antichrist, the prophet, the false prophets are the ones that will be picked up and thrown into the, to the lake of fire. Satan will be thrown into the lake of fire. Excuse me. So one of the ways that a human being would live, a man, let me not say a human being. I want us to, I want, I want us to, to, to rise. I want us to be raised. That's the right word. I want us to be raised in our thinking so that the function of who we truly are can begin to be expressed in us from our mind, the way we reason in our mind. Why do I say that? Um, men, I mean, human beings, you are no longer a human being right now. You shouldn't be called a human being right now because you are now a divine being, okay? You are now a new creation. Your father is a spirit. Your father is God. And the Bible says that we have been called to participate in his nature, in that divine nature. So if we are participating in the divine nature, it means that we too are having the divine experience. We are divine, okay? So you hear things like John the divine, but, but, but um, most people think it's an act of humility to say that they are mere human beings or they are human beings or we are all human beings. Now we need to start changing our language because as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he, praise God. And one of the things that generates faith is how you reason, how you think would either keep you in bondage or it will lift you out of bondage. Praise God. So uh, um, three ways that um, people, let me use that word, leave the earth, now, human beings can leave the earth by the activities of the agencies of death, the agency called death or the personality called death. So death, the spirit of death will afflict you through disease, through sickness, through an accident, okay? Or through, you know, sorcery, whatever means. And life is seized. Your spirit is forced out of your body prematurely, okay? But there's another way that you can leave the earth. Another way that you can leave the earth with the body dropping down is that your spirit willingly leaves your body. The Bible says that the body without the spirit is dead. So when your spirit leaves your body willingly, when your time, when your purpose, when what God brought you to the earth for, you have fully completed your assignment fully completed what you came to the earth to do. Now, one of the things that would happen to you is that your spirit willingly would leave your body. Death didn't kill you, praise God. Now, even though that, you know, uh, um, this thing happening to anyone is, everyone says the person is dead, the person is dead. But believers, if you look at the scriptures closely, you see that, Paul renders believers, believers as sleep. 
believers sleep. They sleep, they do not die. Because death does not have dominion or death should not have dominion over a believer. So the believer's time on the earth is subject to what he is what he's learning. The believer's program on the earth is subject to what he's learning. Okay? Uh, if a believer believes that he is subject to death, you hear some believers say everybody is going to die one day. So they will die. They could die by any means of death, even by satanic attack. Okay? But when a believer believes that he or she cannot die because death has no dominion over him, then that entity called death will not be able to stop that life. Let's, let's look at the scripture in the book of Romans. Romans chapter six, Romans chapter six. I, I read Romans also, you know, um, yesterday, day before yesterday, I've just been going through some of these books. Um, and when I got here, I paused, I paused and I, it was so powerful. It was so strong. The hunger, the passion to drink from what this scripture is saying was so real to me. I was desperate to drink this life. He said, for if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in likeness of his resurrection. I've taught this scripture many times, you know, in this company. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin, for he that is dead is freed from sin, praise God. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more. Death has no more dominion over him. Now, I want you to underline this thing in your scripture. Death no longer has dominion over him. Underline it in your Bible or highlight it in your electronic Bible, right? Good. Death has no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. Or he died for sin once. Or he died because of sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Now, verse 11 is very interesting. Look at verse 11. It says, likewise, Reckon you also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, what is the meaning of reckon? What is the meaning of reckon? Count yourself into this operation. Bring yourself, identify with it. That's what he's saying. Okay? Bring it into your own account. Count yourself into it. This is what, what has happened to you. Impute it to your own self. Impute it to your own life. What are you imputing to your life? That's the same way Jesus 
is dead to sin. And because he is now dead to sin, death has no more dominion over him. He says, reckon it also to yourselves. Reckon it to yourself that you are dead indeed to sin and alive unto God. So that means that that entity, that uh, uh, personality called death should not, watch my language, should not terminate your existence on the earth as a divine being, as a divine being. It should not. Praise God. So now, how should believers leave the earth? Two ways that believers should leave the earth. Unbelievers leave the earth by death. Okay? They have no covenant of life with God. Whether they live to be 90 years old, it doesn't mean anything. They have no covenant of life with God. God just keeps them on hoping, wishing that he would harvest them. They will come to repentance, right? But for believers, there are two primary ways. There might be more. Please, if you know more, um, shoot it. I don't know everything. <laughs> Praise God. So if you know more, please um, post it, okay? And we'll look at the scriptures and bring it out. Two primary ways that believers should live. Now, some believers, many believers, their lives are terminated. And the reason their lives are terminated is because, one, they, have, they live with the fear of death. Hold on one second. I think somebody wants to join us. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. One, they live with a fear of death. Now, the first thing that God, I, I mentioned that during the 6 a.m. prayers, either today or yesterday, I can't remember. The first thing that God does for you as he's establishing his fatherhood over you is to remove from you the spirit of the fear of death. Those who all their lifetime have been living under the bondage of the fear of death, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but the spirit of love, power, and of a sound mind. Most people's decisions is because of the fear of death. Okay? But God doesn't want us to have that fear. Why? Look at um, 2 Timothy. Let's go to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and then Hebrews chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 1, it says, but is now, but is now made manifest, I'm reading from verse 10, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Jesus has abolished death and has brought life and immortality to life through the gospel. So if he has abolished it, that means that de death has become an illegality in the life of a believer. In fact, death actually should be an illegality in the whole world because he died for the sins of the whole world. 
Okay, but death has a license to operate on the earth until his least time expires. So for as long as he's still on the earth, by the power and the authority of that license he collected from Adam, he would function fully in the lives of those who do not believe in Jesus. He could also function in the lives of those, even though they believe in Jesus, but have not learned what came with their salvation, the things that accompany salvation. See, these things I'm teaching are fundamental truths. They are the foundation of our Christian faith. They are not deep mysteries. I feel sad when some people argue over the matters, matters like this. It's so disappointing because, no, 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 sorry, no, the word is not disappointing. Yeah, my heart is broken. I'm like, the church, we're so far away from the truth. You know, and we're not ready to fight to establish the truth. Satan is going to try to resist you. Make no mistake about it. He's going to try to resist you by, you know, trying to do things to show you that what you're saying is not true. But what you're saying is true. All you need to do is stand your ground. Resist the devil and he will flee. That's what the scripture says. And that scripture is true. Praise God. So two ways that a believer should leave the earth. Number one is that a believer has finished his work. I finished what I came to the earth to do. I don't want to stay on the earth anymore. The will of a believer can control death. Or let me say cessation of life in the physical body. Let me use that word. The will of a believer. You saw when Paul said, I, he said, I'm in betwixt two. Whether to go and be with the Lord or to stay here. He said, but I know that if I stay here, it will be better for you if I stay here. Praise God. It will be good for you if I stay here. For the fullness of, of your faith, it's better for me to stay. I will teach you more. And then also he said something else. And then he said for reward. Because the more you labor in the kingdom here, the greater your reward will be when you get to heaven. Get to heaven, go into eternity. It's the same thing. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So when that assignment is finished, you have finished what you came to the earth to do. You can will to leave the earth. And it's not a New Testament thing alone. Every man who walks with God, even in the old covenant, life came into them. They were in control. They knew when they should leave and when they should stay. Those acts of cessation of life from the body is not by the, it's not by the spirit of death. It's not by the enemy called death. Now, another way a believer can leave the earth is by disappearing. You say, Sister Chena, where is that? It's happened to Enoch. Enoch walks with God and was not. They couldn't find him. Praise God. Enoch walked with God and they couldn't find him. It happened to Elijah. Chariots of fire carried Elijah. So you said, are you trying to tell me that it cannot happen in our day, today and now? Why? Why won't it be able to happen? If you walk with God to a degree, you enter into life in your physical body. 
depending on your allocation. Now, another point I want to bring out is that some people have a location. Some people have a location of martyrdom. It has been allocated to them. They are, it is in their destiny that they will be martyred for the kingdom's sake, for the sake of this gospel. They will be martyred. So such people will be killed. The last two, uh, the, uh, no, three years ago during the immersion meeting, I had a word of knowledge about, I don't know whether I was, I was one who gave that word of knowledge or it came from Francis, but that some people in our midst have been called to martyrdom and they know it and that they should come out so that the anointing to fulfill that assignment will be released on them. Someone actually came out to meet me. One person actually told me, I'm the one. I know I will be martyred. So a Christian, they shouldn't kill you by Boko Haram, by um, those who are pursuing believers to kill them if your appointment is not martyrdom. Because it has not been appointed to you for you to die that way. Now, there are people, it's been appointed for them to die that way. Let's, let's look at the scripture in the book of um, Revelation. Revelation. I'm not sure the chapter now where the souls of those who had been beheaded were crying to God and said, avenge us of our soul, avenge us of our blood on the earth. And Jesus told them, be patient. Okay, good. Thank you. Revelation chapter six. Now, I saw when the lamp opened one of the seals and I heard one of the four living creatures saying with a voice like thunder, come and see. And I looked and behold a white horse. He who sat on it. Okay. Verse 10, please. Let's go to verse 10. Just straight to verse 10. And they cried with a loud voice. No, no, no. When he opened the fifth seal, back up a bit to verse 9, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Then a white robe was given to each of them, and it was said to them that they should rest a little while longer until both the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who would be killed as they were was completed. Do you see that? So there's a specific number of those who will be martyred for the sake of the gospel in every generation. And if you're such a person, they will tell you, heaven will tell you, unless you're not walking with the spirit of God, heaven will tell you. Paul said, it is time for me to depart, to put off this tabernacle as it was shown me. Peter said the same thing. They were all martyred. Now, specifically for Paul, when God sent Ananias to go and pray for him when he was at Joppa, the day he received Jesus, when Jesus told 
Ananias, go and pray for Paul. Ananias said, Lord, I'm not going to pray for that guy. I'm not going to pray for that man. Haven't you heard what he has been doing to your people? He has been killing us, sending us into prison. Jesus said, don't worry about him. I've arrested him. And I will show him many things which he must suffer for the sake of this gospel. In the book of Galatians, again, it is written in the book of Galatians. <coughs> Excuse me, friends, if you can help me pull out the exact scripture. I think it's chapter four or chapter three or four of Galatians, where it was appointed for, there were sufferings that were left behind by Jesus Christ for Paul, specifically Paul, to go through those sufferings for his body's sake. So there are appointments, the appointments of torture. There are appointments with sufferings. I, I now rejoice in my sufferings for you. Galatians chapter, is it one? Oh, really? I thought it was three or so. I now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up in my flesh what is lacking. Do you see that? And fill up where? In my flesh. What is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. So there were sufferings that were left behind. Okay? They left it for him. Paul will suffer this one. Paul will go through this one. For the body's sake, so that the body... Now, there are pioneers of the gospel in, in virgin lands, virgin areas, places where, you know, the gospel had not been tilled before. No one had gone there or, you know, places that are dark. Now, when the foreigners of the gospel that enter into such environments, a lot of suffering, it goes through a lot of suffering. It's not because God is not with them. It's not because they don't know faith. It's not because they cannot apply faith. But it's just because there are some sufferings that has been allocated for the man that will break these grounds. And those are not ordinary men. Those are men that are chosen and appointed. And many people are chosen and appointed, but they refuse it. They refuse it. Many people are chosen and appointed. They refuse it. Paul, on one of his missionary journeys, the first missionary journey that Paul went through, Paul said, when they came back, what did he say? He said, Demas has left me, departed. Demas left me. Having loved this present world, he preferred, it's not that he wants to go to hell, it's not even that he wants to backslide, but he just, I beg, I beg, Paul, this, this suffering is too much. Today, hunger. <laughs> Tomorrow, uh, 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 water. <laughs> Next, tomorrow, affliction, beating. The other day, dragging us for, for what we don't know. Beg, beg, beg. This is not the only way to serve God. Yeah, let's let me go back to the city and go to the temple and be serving God there. I don't understand this, this thing you are doing. This is not the gospel. At least if God is with us, when we pray, these things that are happening should stop. No, it's an appointment. It's an appointment. Praise God. Now, even certain, now, I'm careful as I'm teaching this so that we don't take it out of context. But honestly, even certain sicknesses, certain sicknesses are appointments. 
And they are expressed in two ways in the life of a believer. Number one, a believer who is living in sin, who is at the danger of, of going to hell because of sin. Now, one of the things that will happen is that God doesn't put sickness on anybody. They just pull out a hedge. You know, the things that you're doing brings about, causes something to happen and you fall into sickness. Right? Then Paul said, hand him over to Satan for the destruction of his body that his spirit may be saved on the day of the Lord. Now, some appointments, some destinies are not exactly what is written in the book, God's book for you, but they are captured in the book. Please mind my words and my language. They are captured in the book as a result of you not walking according to what has been laid out for you. So, you know, God is omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient. He knows everything. So it is there. It's, it's there. Yes. They, they will, this one will not choose me. This one will choose me. This one will go with me this far. So as a result of that decision, this is what will happen. And it is captured in that book. I don't know if I'm making sense. Praise God. So by reason of that, People fall into some sort of affliction that looks like it's okayed by heaven. It's usually for the sake of their souls and for the sake of their spirits so that they will not go to hell. Because, because as much as God wants perfection, as much as God is looking for souls, but he does not want anybody to perish. So if you've ever said yes to Jesus, God is going to dote on you, love on you, run after you, beg you until you, so that you will not go to hell because it's not his will. That's it. Bible says he has no pleasure in the death of him that dies. He doesn't have any pleasure in the death of anyone who is dying, who is going to hell. God doesn't want people to go to hell. God doesn't want people to go to hell. We think he wants to punish unbelievers, punish the wicked so that they will go to hell. No, he wants the wicked to repent. He wants the wicked to taste his love. He wants the wicked to experience salvation, experience forgiveness of sin. And when people practice extreme wickedness and eventually repent, you know, they are so fervent. They are so fervent for the Lord. They don't care about their lives because they know they've received deep mercy, a lot of mercy. Hallelujah. So there are allocations of life for every believer, for everyone that is called in every generation. So you will go according to your own allocation. Or you will go according to what your faith is able to generate. Some people think it's heresy 
when you see that this body can enter into immortality, not subject to death at all at all. I don't know why it sounds strange, why it angers, or in fact, some people is even offensive. Why it's offensive to some believers? When, look, when I was on campus as a young girl, I ministered to a young man, a young boy, who was a cult believer. I've shared this testimony before. He was a cult, did I say cult believer? He was in a cult, I'm sorry, it's not cult believer. He was in the cult. He was a capoon in the cult. And the night he received Jesus in my neighbor's room, I went there and ministered to him. I didn't know I was going to minister to him anyway. I just bumped in there. I was an evangelist to the call. The only thing I did with my life was preach the gospel. You meet me on the road, I'll preach the gospel to you. You meet me in the bus, you meet me in the plane, at the airport, anywhere. If I'm anywhere I meet any human being, I'm preaching to the person. I thought I was an evangelist. So I went into my neighbor's room and I went to get water to drink. And I saw this young boy, young man, there, very tall boy. He came to take her out. He actually came to sleep, take her to go and sleep with her that night. That was his intention. And I came in and I started ministering to him. That night he gave his life to Christ. The power of God hit him so hard, he fell. He slumped when the power of God hit him. He slumped in that room and passed out for, for the next two hours. He didn't get up. Three hours. He left the room around two, to 12 midnight. He came in there about eight o'clock. Now, when he came out of his encounters, he began to tell us his experience. In fact, he was saying those, some of those things while he was lying down. He said, look at me. He said, when we want to go for gyration, that's what they call it. He said he would enter into his room, shut his door, turn off the lights, and make certain incantations. He said, after he's done with those incantations, he said, no knife will cut his body. They will go for that gyration, bring bottle, break it, stab him, it won't touch him. Knife, cut him, it won't touch him. That's the power of Satan. Why the power of Satan can do that? Why would marriage mingling with the supernatural power of resurrection, the power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, why would it not do that to our physical body? Why is a believer getting offended with a truth that should bring so much joy and so much hope and so much courage and strength to fight when sickness attacks your body, when something threatens your life. That's why these truths are written for us so that we will not say yes, we will not give in to what Satan is doing. We will not submit to what he's trying to do. There is something Satan wants you to do because the a man without a body on the earth cannot do ministry. You cannot save souls. You cannot preach to anybody. You cannot serve God without a, a body. You will go to heaven or go to God without reward. You will go bankrupt. You need your body for service. You need your body for ministry here. And it is what you do with this body that determines what will be rewarded you. Let, let, let's go to let's go to the book of uh, book of Second uh, Corinthians. Let me be sure it's in Second Corinthians. Yeah, Second Corinthians chapter five. Second Corinthians chapter five. I want to read from verse four. We are confident. Verse eight. 
We are confident I sail and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. You see, so some people have worked with God so much, they're not even afraid of death. It doesn't even bother them. They even desire it. They want it. We also see that in the book of Hebrews chapter 12. We can, I will go there and I'll read that also. He said, wherefore we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body. Let me teach you. Done is not in the original translation. His is not in the original translation. What is in the original translation? That everyone may receive the things in his body, the things in body, the things that were captured in this body. As we walk on the earth, it is captured in our body. If we walk in darkness, death will be captured in the body. If we walk in the light, life will be captured in the body. That's why the scripture says that the spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead shall what? Quicken, give life to my mortal body. That life that the spirit is giving to my mortal body, what is it for? What is that life for? Praise God. Hallelujah. According to what he has done, whether it be good or bad, depending on what he has done, if it's good or bad, he will receive the reward for what he did with his body. So the things we do with our body is very important. What you're doing with your body is very important at any point in time. The activities in the body is important. It's being registered in the body. It's spiritual. The body is spiritual. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews 11, I'm sorry. Hebrews 11, verse. <laughs> I've used the whole time to answer this one question. Now, let's look at the kingdom, what happened to men of the kingdom, okay? Verse, Hebrews 11 from verse 33. Who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in flight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens, Women received their dead raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance. Do you see that? That they might obtain a better resurrection. Still, others had trial of mockings and scourgings, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. So different, different allocations. Praise God. Hallelujah. So do you understand it, Namdi? Do we all understand it? Do we? Praise God. Yes. Hallelujah. Yes. Now we need to hear these things that have to do with martyrdom, 
the, the, the will of a believer, the allocations of believers, praise God, so that we will find grace to give ourselves to what we have been called for or what we have been called into. Okay? Some of us must suffer some things. It's our allocation. Suffer hunger. Suffer lack. Suffer persecution. It's our allocation. I will find grace to go through those moments, those seasons. Praise God. I want to hear from Namdi. Namdi, you haven't responded. Do you, have I answered your question well? Oh, okay, you've answered. Thank you. Great, awesome. All right, Emanuela is here. So we'll close with Emanuela's question. Praise the Lord. Now, she wanted to know Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17. Verse 18, rather, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Now, what this scripture actually means is that it is critical for every believer to know the hope in our calling. To know the hope in our calling. And I don't mean you know, there are two calls. Permit me to say that there are two callings in the life of a believer, right? There is the individual call, the call to ministry. I've been called to be an evangelist. I've been called to be um, an apostle. I've been called, you know, to be whatever, whatever aspect of the body you have been called and given assignments. No believer must miss their assignments. And all of us, our assignments are double-edged. Okay? There is the official assignment and there is the commission for every single believer. That commission is do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Do the work of an evangelist. Every believer must be passionate. Every believer must be passionate. Okay. <laughs> Maybe it's Emanuela Musa then. Is Emanuela Musa here? Is she here? Oh, okay, great. So were you the one that asked the question last year? the 31st of December. Awesome, good. So every believer must be passionate about the lost. Every opportunity you have. In fact, if at this time you are not sure exactly what your assignment is, what your ministry is, if you haven't found it yet, this, this, the safest and most honorable assignment you will do is give yourself to soul winning, give yourself to evangelism. 
bring as many souls as you can into the kingdom of God. And when Jesus appeared to Kenneth Hagin, one of his encounters, he held a crown in his hands and he said to him, he said, this crown is a soul winner's crown. He said, I am giving this crown to anybody who wins souls. Praise God. Now, this is irrespective of your calling. Once you have a passion for the lost, please, anywhere you, any opportunity you have, don't miss it. Preach the gospel to the lost and bring them into the kingdom. It's critical. We're starting corporate evangelism again. Um, at the retreat we have this weekend, we're going to finalize how it's going to work. Praise God. So if you want to be a part of it, please join us um, at the cave. We're going to push out the information to anyone who wants to be a part of that. Praise God. Now, now this, this hope of his calling that you may know what is the hope of his calling. So I said there are two. Now there is another calling that God has called us, okay? And that calling is that we may come into the full image of our Lord Jesus Christ. Come into the image of Jesus. Be transformed into that image. That calling is one call. Everybody irrespective of your assignment must answer that call. Everybody respective of, your, of your, your ministry must answer that call. In fact, it is that call that will be used as a standard for reward and a standard for judgment. So even when you do your ministry well, they are going to place your life, it, it's, it's going to look like a scale. Permit me to use that word. You know, these scales that you put the weights on one side and then you put what you want to weigh on one side, right? So on one side of the scale is going to be the full stature of Jesus. And then on the other scale is going to be your, how much of it you received on the earth? How much of it you acquired on the earth? 30%, 60%, 100%. How much of Christ, that Christ may be formed in you. So that's why the teachings that will form Christ in you must not be ignored. Let's, let's look at Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Praise the Lord. Now, I know many of us, particularly those who have been with us for a while, have heard this many times. But Paul said, no, Peter, it's Peter who said that, said it is not harmful that I share the same things with you, seeing that you know it. You already know it, but it is good that I teach you again. Now, Romans chapter 8, I want us to read from verse 20, 29. In fact, let's read from verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are they called according to his purpose or according to purpose, the hope, the hope of that calling, those who have been called according to that hope, for whom he foreknew, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, 
You see that? Those he foreknew, then he also predestinated them. This is the destiny that we're always talking about. The purpose we're always talking about. This is it. To be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also what? Glorified. Glorified them with what? Glorified them with Christ. Glorified them with Christ, with the image of Christ. Hallelujah. Let me see this scripture. In the book of Thessalonians. Second Thessalonians chapter two. Second Thessalonians chapter two from verse 13. He said, but we are bound to give thanks always to God for you. Brethren beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the spirit and belief of the truth. Whereunto he called you by our gospel to the obtaining you see that this is the hope of your calling. To do what? To obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. To the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast. Stand fast. Don't be shaken. Don't be distracted. Don't run a, a, a race that, you know, you are running for money. You are running for name. You're, don't run for ministry. Don't run in race for ministry. Run to obtain this glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Run for this glory. Run to be glorified with our Lord Jesus Christ. So therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you have been taught, whether by a word or by the epistles, the writings, the letters. These things, the teachings that are in these epistles, Jesus, I mean, Paul is saying here, hold fast to them. Because that's what is going to build you up. Hallelujah. So this is the hope of our calling. Okay? This is the hope of our calling. The hope of our calling is not, it's not in this world. It's not in this world. We are to do ministry in this world. In everywhere, every sphere, every place you find yourself, do ministry there. Pay attention to do ministry wherever you are found. In your office, do ministry. Your ministry might not be verbal. Your ministry might be intercessory in the office. It might also be verbal. It might be selective work of salvation because you are constantly seeking the Lord. Why am I here? What am I doing here? Why am I in the midst of these people? If you pray that prayer long enough with sincerity consistently, the Lord will start pointing out to you 
those who need salvation in your midst. It might be those who need salvation. It might be those who need to be strengthened. It might be those who need to be comforted. It might be those who need to be reestablished, realigned. Many Christians are running a, a race that is not, has not been assigned to us. Those races are not what we have been called to run. Praise God. I was listening to someone today, and the person said, people are just wasting their time going to school. First, your first degree, you finish that, you do first master's, you do second master's, you do third master's, you do doctorate, and you pack all of these things, you're not doing anything with them. You're just acquiring knowledge that is not useful. Instead of spending time investing in the kingdom, investing in the life that is in the kingdom, I'm not saying nobody should do masters. That's not what I'm saying. I'm, I'm just telling you what I heard someone say today. And I totally agree with him anyways. Because now we are in the kingdom of God. Now we are in the kingdom of God. Everything we do, every decision we take must be because of the kingdom. Otherwise, you're not living for the kingdom. You're living for yourself. And I want to say that again. Now we are in the kingdom of God. You have been brought into the kingdom to inherit the kingdom. Your labor is to inherit the kingdom. Everything you do, every decision you take, the first thing that would be before you is the kingdom. How does this affect the kingdom of God? Sometimes you might not see it clearly, but if those things are in your heart, I'm telling you, God will lead you. God will direct you. God will speak to you clearly. I want you to go and do this. I want you to go and do this. I want you to go and do this. And you obey. Sometimes he doesn't tell us the end, the reason for what he's instructed us to do. But as long as you know it's the Lord leading you, obey. And as long as you know that your heart is focused on him, in pleasing him, in doing only what he wants, it's not that hard. It's not that mystical. Just have a heart that is not controlled by self. Hmm? A heart that is not controlled, not ruled by self. Just have that heart. Once you have that heart and you bring that heart daily before God, daily before God, daily before the Holy Spirit, and bring all your choices in life daily before him, he will lead you. He will lead you. And for everything he's allowed you to get involved in, you will see that it will benefit the kingdom just down the road. Because God doesn't waste his resources. He doesn't have time for Babylon. He doesn't have time for this age. He has ended it. He has closed it. The day Jesus rose from the dead, this age was closed. All that heaven is waiting for is the least time of Satan to be over, of our sons to manifest on the earth. The critical mass of sons to manifest on the earth and they will cross this age. They've closed the age. So God doesn't have time to waste with Babylon. He has no interest in it. He has no interest in it. Jesus said something when he, he said, I go about my father's business. It's only my father's business I am mindful of. When Herod sent for Jesus, 
You know Jesus' response, right? Go and tell that fox. But some of us will wear our best dresses that day and quote a scripture. When, when uh, uh, um, see thou a man diligent in his duty, he shall stand before kings and not mean men. <laughs> and take selfies and put on our DPs. We just met Dangote. I was invited to Dangote's house. Hallelujah. We are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people to show forth the praises of him who has called us out of darkness, out of darkness, out of darkness into his marvelous light into you are a chosen generation you are a royal priesthood you are different you are royalty my husband was preaching on saturday but not royalty after the pattern of this world we are children of the most high god our kingdom is a spiritual kingdom our king is jesus christ we live and live we live by the rules of that kingdom by the instructions of that kingdom and that is your faith. Faith, I taught us, the Lord taught us last year, faith, the life of faith is an instructed life. It's a life of instruction. They tell you what to preach. Even what to preach, they tell you. Where to go, they tell you. What to possess, they tell you. What not to possess, they tell you. That's an instructed, that's a life of faith. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Our time is up. I just want us to thank God. Is there anybody else with any other question? But in the absence of that, let's just thank God. Yes, Christ in me, the hope of glory. Hallelujah. And I want us to break bread tonight. I want us to break bread. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your flesh. Thank you for your blood. Thank you for the power of this everlasting covenant. Thank you, Lord God, for each time we partake of your table, oh God. Each time we partake of your table, each time we eat your flesh, each time we drink your blood, we reaffirm that we carry your DNA in us. We receive of your life in us. We drink your blood. We eat your flesh. Lord, we thank you. And the power of this covenant, the life that is in this covenant, is able to keep us from falling. Is able to keep us from wavering. Is able to keep us from destruction. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. God eats your flesh, the flesh of Jesus, and you can drink the blood of Jesus. Don't forget to join us 6 a.m. tomorrow morning and 2 to 4 p.m. for um, the intercessory prayers of the conference, okay? Yahweh to face conference season. And then in the evening for another session of what for now under the spirit of this conference. Praise the Lord. 
Hallelujah. We're fasting every day from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. But from 4 p.m. after prayers, you are free to break if you if you want to. Otherwise, you can wait and break by 6. But we're not praying again after 4 p.m. for the day until the meeting in the evening. And then on Saturday, we have a live grand finale, uh, grand um, finale on Saturday, 4th of February, praise God. This weekend, we have prayer retreats, prayer and leadership retreats. Good, coming on Friday, 6 p.m. For those who want to camp at the cave, please indicate. And then we leave on Sunday, 2 p.m., about Sunday, 2 p.m., praise God. Uh, this is going to be our monthly culture going forward because we believe, we know that God has instructed us to raise an army of people for him, okay? And we need to expose us to uh, prolonged exposure in the presence of God, uh, prolonged prayers, prolonged hours of teaching, and sharing the word of God together. Praise God. So please, we expect as many of you as possible. If your husband will let you come, if your wives will let you come, your work will let you come, that would be wonderful in the presence of God on from Friday to Sunday. Hallelujah. And then next week, 4th of February, is the conference final day at the cave. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Father, we thank you tonight. We thank you for the blessings of the covenant over our heads, over our lives, over our families, over our children, in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Father, that in this new season, you're going to be teaching us the things that will cause us to allow your kingdom expression on the earth. Thank you, Father, for the establishment of the things which you have written concerning us, O God, in our lives. Equipping us for ministry, establishing us for ministry in the name of Jesus. Thank you for the territories that are about and around us, O God. Thank you for teaching us, O Lord God, how to take on these territories for the kingdom of God, starting with our bodies, dominion over our bodies, overcoming sin, overcoming negative emotions, overcoming sicknesses and diseases, hallelujah, overcoming poverty by Satan, overcoming wickedness through the blood of Jesus, through the power of him that raised Jesus from the dead, the power of the Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus. I command the peace of God to rest upon you. In the name of Jesus. I speak to your bones. I speak to your blood. I speak to you, the cells of your body. I command you to be healed in the name of Jesus. I rebuke sickness. I forbid sickness in our midst. In the name of Jesus Christ. I rebuke the spirit of infirmity. I command every sick body here healed. In the name of Jesus as that strength be given to you, might will be given to your inner man. But I ask, oh God, that you teach your people, teach our hands to walk, teach our fingers to battle, and cause us, oh God, 
to experience your word in every dimension. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Let's share the grace of God together in fellowship. May the grace of our Lord Jesus the love of God, the Spirit, the Thank you, Mama. Thank you, Mama. Thank you, Mama. Bye bye. Bye. God bless you. Amen. Amen. Amen.